the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast 30 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Of course, the Briefcast is when I come to you guys solo without the special teams unit. And if this is your first time checking us out, I encourage you to go back and listen to full-fledged episodes with my crew. And you can hear all the bells and whistles. And if uh, you are a recurring listener, thank you so much. The Briefcast, of course, are designed to be their solo, so they're designed to be a little bit shorter than the uh, full-fledged episodes. Doesn't work out that way so much. I, I don't know. I, I kind of lose my way a little bit, uh, but I get into my zones and I'll go off on my tangents. But hey, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. So bear with me on that. And hopefully you enjoy the winding roads in which the conversation goes down because I am not scripted in any way in life or in the show. I mean, I have a rough outline, but other than that, I'm not scripted, so I can go anyway. And, and we've seen this, and I'm going to affirm this in just a little bit because in this episode, you get a number of features, including what's new. We're going to do a double big dummy, a Lamont Award. We're giving out two Lamont Awards for the price of one podcast. So you will get a big dummy, a Lamont Award given in the first half and in the second half. In addition to that, we will get into the We the People segment where we hear from you guys and hear what you had to say on social media, reminding you guys that you can tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S, W-O-R-D, and join the group or like the fan page on Facebook, Sports talk with Devin Wade. That's two separate words. Just ask and you can become a member and you can vote on poll questions and give us your feedback and uh, post stories or talk about your favorite team or any of that. During football season, we get a lot of guys going back and forth with their favorite football teams and that's a whole lot of fun. So that's on Facebook. In addition to that, we will do a he got game. I'm going to also talk about a friend and fellow media member who uh, passed away suddenly last week. Uh, Max Edison, a lot of folks in the greater Houston area know who he is, and uh, but he has friends all over the country. I'll talk a little bit about that and a before I let go. And then, you know, we'll get into some NBA stuff, the NBA draft, all of that. One reminds you guys, if you are a fledgling artist or a an established artist and you want to share your music with the thousands of folks who have tuned in to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, Hit me up and let me know. It didn't matter the genre. If you're a DJ, if you are a, a guitarist, if you play a rapper, whatever you are, as long as it's radio edit, hook up with me and we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and the entire track at the end. And I am really excited about this one because I've been after this guy and I've asked this guy a couple times, hey man, I like what you do. He does his thing around Houston, so he he's established. But DJ Anarchy, I've been asking him for it and finally he has sent me a mix and uh, we broke that down. Down in the part. So over the next couple of you'll hear uh, segments from a mix from DJ Anarchy. You can find him on SoundCloud and uh, you definitely want to check his stuff out, but you'll get an opportunity to hear him at the halfway point and an entire portion of one of his mixes at the end of the show. Want to thank you guys for all of that. Want to thank you guys, all of you who voted too, by the way. So uh, a lot going on on social media. I see you guys, even if I don't always comment, I see you guys and I appreciate the comments. So keep that coming. Keep doing what you do. We certainly appreciate that. 
With that, we want to go to a segment that we call Brand New. Brand New, Brand New, Brand New. Brand New is when I talk about some things that don't have anything uh, much, to, most of the time, don't have anything to do with sports. I just get a chance to share a little bit about yours truly, give you some insight. Because at the end of the day, I, I am not plugged in. I can't call up head coaches and, and top-notch free agents around the NBA. So you, when you listen to me, you listen to me because you you, you want to hang out with me and see what I have to say. And you appreciate my opinion. And you like my personality, at least enough to listen to a podcast. At least that's sort of my theory. If I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. Because, hey, I, I want to understand why you listen. I'm glad you do. Maybe I don't want to know why you listen. But in any case, I'm glad glad you're listening and I, I get a chance to share some things with you like this this is the 10th anniversary of the passing of michael jackson and everybody i think can remember where they were and when that happened and how that happened and what a tragic loss what many of you may not know if you don't listen to the friday express on ktsu 90.9 you may not know that i am a michael jackson mega fan in the say okay here's the spectrum of jackson michael jackson fans okay you have those who now they won't listen to him they don't appreciate him they they don't have anything for him that's on one end on the opposite end of the spectrum are the ones that dress up and cry and all that i'm not there i'm closer to there than i am to not being a michael jackson fan but let me explain something to you because i am a music connoisseur I do my thing. You guys know it on the Friday Express. If you don't, you need to check that out Friday night on KTSU 90.9 Houston. I'm telling you, you definitely want to get into that. But I am a, a big, big Michael Jackson fan. And I, okay, so it, it kind of got weird. I, for a while, I was sort of anti Mike because you couldn't go anywhere without hearing Mike. 83, 84, it was just, it was so much Mike, it was just mind numbing. But. Now, in retrospect, you appreciate what that was. So he, of course, he things he got weird, and you know you had to start defending uh, his appearance and stuff like that. I won't even get into the allegations. My thoughts are well documented, at least in my actions. So and so, I'll say what I have to say about my belief in some of these accusations. But that's a, that's a different conversation. But what I do want to share is that that's my guy, and anything before bad. I'm a huge fan. When he was with his brothers, I'm, I'm talking about from, okay, you got the, the child Mike, and then you got the teen Mike, and then you, the young adult Mike. Those were some great albums. If you're going to listen to some albums that are underappreciated, go listen to Destiny. That's the Jacksons, right? Go listen to Triumph. And, and of course, you know, Thriller is Thriller. And, you know, and Off the Wall is... We go back and forth with this debate about what's the better album. The better R&B album is probably off the wall. So even when he passed away, which was a sad, sad day, because again, you know, look, it's hard to point to people who've been that famous. I don't know how many people have been, but people who are mega, mega, mega famous for a long period of time, especially around their childhood, who didn't evolve into something really, really weird. And I just think that, that kind of living on our sort of our human existence spectrum is it, just it lends itself to becoming weird and you can't think like other people and you get into some weird weird stuff uh, weird beliefs weird i mean everybody from elizabeth taylor to elvis to howard hughes anybody you think of has been either mega mega rich 
over a long period of time, they have gotten really, really weird or sort of their, their weirdness has been magnified with their ability to use their money and fame and power to acquire some of the weird things. I don't know if I had all the money that I could ever imagine for a lifetime, I would probably be into some weird stuff. And I mean, what I mean weird stuff is that, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would collect. I, I don't know you just don't know certain little things that I think, Oh, that's kind of cool. Then all of a sudden, if I have millions and millions and millions of dollars over a long period of time, I said, well, you know what? Maybe I need to look into that. Maybe I'll have a, you know, world-class collection of, you know, I don't know who knows what I would get into, but if you had money and time and power and fame, things can get weird over a long period of time. And I think of course, that's what happened to Mike. Mike got weird. Uh, and, and, you know, just trying to measure up to himself over and over again was a problem, but I'm, you know, thinking about Mike, but go back and listen to triumph destiny, the Jackson CD moving violations. I mean, just so many of them. I mean, so, and, and I mean, this is all before anything happened with bad where he got it. You know, he got weird. This is like thriller on back. Go back. I suggest when he passed away, I did a four hour tribute to Mike did not repeat a song and didn't play anything. I played one song off of the bad album and everything else was before that. That being said, the very last album was not a bad R and B album. Also because things are a little bit slow in the world of sports. I could talk a little bit more about this stuff because in the summertime we all have a little bit extra time and we do things that, you know, we probably wouldn't do in the normal scheme of things. If we're rushing, ripping and running and doing all the things we do in the fall, winter and spring. So summertime, we tend to have a little bit more time. Hopefully you've had more vacation time or more time to read books or explore things or listen to this podcast or whatever it is you get a chance to do. Well, I also have an opportunity uh, to be frivolous and I was frivolous and, and I want to get maybe your take on this. So what I did, I, I'll go to the grocery store, buy a couple of grapefruits. Okay. So uh, two or three grapefruits because I had time, I got them scanned. Uh, what a number of other items, whatever it was. And I looked at the receipt. They charged me more than what the price was. Instead of letting this go and just kind of, you know, because it wasn't much. I went and I stood in line and I waited and I let them call the produce department and do all of that. And I took my time because I had the time and I saved 86 cents because they charged me too much. And I said, well, you know what? I could have just let them make it with that. But if you think about this, how many times a major uh, chain grocery store uh, swipes something and it's the wrong price in their favor? And I thought, man, they probably make just say on the modest end of things. If they do this, Probably, I don't know how many, how many things they swipe a day. I mean, maybe, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just throw a number out there. 10, 20,000, 20,000 items. I'm sure many more than that, but just, just, let's just say for the sake of the conversation, they swipe 20,000 items. Say on, they overcharge people, say 500 to a thousand dollars a day. And they do this at 14, 15, 25, 40 cents at a time. You're paying a couple of salaries of those employees. I mean, the, the people, of course, you know, they, they're hard workers, but they're not getting rich working at, you know, your chain grocery store. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. If everybody took the time to, to look at their receipt and go and get, I don't care if it's 13 cents, 25 cents. In my case, I think it was 86 cents. Why would I just give it to you guys? I don't know. So I don't, am I being, am I doing too much? 
Because I know that if it was in the fall, winter, or spring, I wouldn't have done this. But I, I went ahead and I got my money. I'm like, no, we're going to do this. I'm going to go get my change. I'm going to stand in line. The, the lady looked at me like, really? You are really doing this for that? At least that's my interpretation of her look, that she was judging me. Well, you can judge on because I'm 86 cents richer. And I'm going to do that for the rest of the summer. I hope. I probably won't. But I hope. <laughs> so give me your take on that. Am I being petty or do I deserve to go get my 86 cents? And, and I encourage you guys to do the same thing. We're probably giving these uh, chain grocery stores millions of dollars. I'm telling you, millions of dollars. Every grocery store around, I'm telling you, we're giving them a million dollars and we need to take our money back. Exactly. That's that's my take on that. Want to get into something from last episode. And I normally, to correct things that I've done on past episodes, I normally do a let me clear my throat. Let me clarify. But my mistakes were so egregious last time that it's time for the first of two. Lamont Awards. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. Lamont Awards are given to the big dummies in the world, in or around the world of sports, for stuff that they have done that has been really, really stupid. And one of the things that I did last episode, I cannot believe this. I, I don't understand how I made this mistake, but I'm a big dummy for this because what happened was I talked about being in Florida, Orlando, Florida, for the OJ chase. And I said it was prior, the chase took place game one of the NBA finals. Well, no, it was game five. How I didn't know that, I just, it's all cloudy. I cannot, I, I just don't know how I made that mistake. I said, this happened on game one. All, all the other stuff happened. Everything that I said happened, but I just recalled it being game one. And all I could say in my defense is that, yeah, there were a lot of, uh, there was a, a lot of uh, liquor flowing and that was a, a, a wild, wild time. I don't know how. I didn't. I messed that one up. So now that makes me question more things about my memory. What am I? What if? Why was I tripping? I cannot believe. I do know that I flew back into town the evening of. I think I landed at like five o'clock, and the finals were seven thirty, eight o'clock that night for Game Seven. So that I do remember. I remember where I was. I remember where I watched. I remember where I watched the game clincher the next year. Uh, versus Orlando. I, I remember all of that, but I just don't know how I forgot that. And I made a huge mistake. The other thing is, if you look at the title, I don't know how many of you look at the titles of the briefcast. I try to give little funny clues to what we may talk about on the episode. It's also a reminder for me where I can kind of look to see, okay, that's what I was talking about that episode. When I go back to look through the archives and, and sort of see what, you know, what we covered uh, for various reasons. But yeah, so the first thing I think I titled this one, well, the last precast was what a hit. Well, here's what happened with that. That was a play on the fact that it's very depressing in Texas that a Chicago bank became the majority owners of Texas-based Whataburger and how depressing it was for Texas, for Texans. And I went into this whole thing. And the reason why that was not included, I went through a whole, did the whole opening segment. I went through this long, long thing. And I talked about a number of things, including the OJ stuff and Whataburger. And I could not use it because there was some distortions in there. So I had to go back and re-record it. When I went back to re-record it, I 
I did not realize I didn't say anything about Whataburger. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I don't know what that was, but whatever the reason, for that reason, I am a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> I know I make mistakes from time to time, and I, it keeps me up late at night when I make these sorts of mistakes. But, hey, I'm human, and, uh, yeah, so sorry to hear that Whataburger is being bought out, and I just I know it's going to suck. I, when they start selling hot dogs and and stuff that it has nothing to do with Texas, I'm going to be upset. And, and if they tamper with their ketchup, I'm I'm boycotting. I'm done. If you mess with the the packet of ketchup, they have the best ketchup in the business. And you don't you what is that? I'm telling you, if you are in Texas, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you don't like Whataburger, because some people don't. Very few. Well, I won't even say very few, but there are people who do not like Whataburger. And, but you cannot dispute best ketchup in the game. They change that, I'm out. Okay, I'm gonna find the second biggest uh, Texas-based hamburger place, and then we're gonna go from there. So now, finally, we've kind of kicked the can all over the place. Let's talk about a little bit of sports. Last night was the big NBA award show, and I had a chance to watch some of it. I, I sort of promised myself that I wouldn't because it's a made-for-TV thing. We kind of knew who was gonna win all the awards. Anyway, the only thing that was kind of up for debate was whether Giannis Antetokounmpo or James Harden would the, would win the MVP. Uh, Giannis won it, and I don't know. I, that, that's a debate you can have. I think that's a debate I really would have vigorously had before the postseason. It's kind of hard to like dig in your heels and fight for James Harden to be the regular season MVP after what happened in the postseason, but. You know, he has a case. He probably should have won the MVP. But Giannis's team, I mean, what they were dramatically better. He was Mr. Everything. He He's a special, special player. I think James Harden is transcendent on the offensive side. And, you know, the Rockets are going through all of this. One thing that did come out that was sort of newsworthy was Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets, came out and said, look, I don't know where all this stuff is, is coming from. Chris does not want to be traded. These guys get along. The story should be we are the favorites to win in the West. And I believe that he believes that. I don't know if I believe that, but I believe that he believes that. And I do believe that because it's summertime and the NBA thrives off drama, the drama between Harden and Paul, which I I think is probably real, is probably overstated. These guys live together for nine months out of the year. Not literally, but you're on the road with them. You're in practice with them. You get sick of them. You travel with them. You see them in the morning when you're tired. You see them late at night. You just get sick of them. And I think that these things happen on the court and off the court. I think they happen on a number of teams. I think it's big, big news when it's two Hall of Fame players that are having these sorts of disputes. But I think those things were overstated because we didn't hear them in real time. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that situation other than I do think that there's going to be some friction there. I think Chris Paul is kind of an abrasive player. I mean, he just... I don't know what it is. I don't. He seems like a guy that you just can't get along with. Uh, sometimes with just the I don't know. I don't the way he moves. I I don't know. There are a lot of people around the league that's just that's not Chris Paul fans. Harden is a, the same way, if you ask me. And, and I you know there's not one thing I can point to to say that James Harden is kind of jerkish. But you kind of—it's almost like a a Van Gogh. I think yeah, I think I I think that's right, right? With the dots, 
and you you dad after dad after dad after dad, and you pull away from the dad, and you're like, okay, that's a jerk. <laughs> so I think in some ways, you know, that's kind of the feeling, like little thing, little thing, little thing. But I mean, one hell of a player should have been the MVP, and we'll talk about him more in the We the People segment because I asked a couple of questions about James Harden, and I got some takes from you guys. So, uh, but yeah, so that that came out last night, Lou Williams, Sixth Man of the Year. I thought it was pretty good. They gave out the Craig Sega Award to Robin Roberts. That was pretty cool. Shaq did a really good job of hosting from what I saw. Jay Farrell made an appearance. Of course, Charles and Kenny uh, from inside the NBA, uh, they were there. All in all, from what I saw, and I was not committed to seeing this. I just thought it was just what they did. I thought the Baron Davis thing, They had his little skit was cool. Uh, so I watched some of it, and you know, I don't know. I, I, the substantial parts of it I did miss. But the important thing was Giannis Antetokounmpo made a, a wonderful speech thanking his mother and his brothers, his agents. He uh, was really, really emotional about it, and that was a big, big deal. And uh, a good, good kid committed to being better. He's going to have to get even better after Kawhi shut him down in the postseason. A lot of shoes left to drop before Saturday. I guess Saturday, these guys have to see if they're going to opt out or not. And uh, we'll see what, what movement starts, what starts to happen. We've already seen a big trade, a significant trade in the Western Conference with the Mike Conley going from the Grizzlies to the Utah Jazz. That's going to be a big, big deal. We have to keep an eye out on that. That's a, a formidable uh, backcourt when you talk about Conley, who was the, probably one of the most underrated guys in the entire NBA. I think the NBA guys know about him, but I think because he played in a small market like Memphis, Mike Conley has never got the love that he deserves from around the league. You would think the Portland guys are, you know, have been underrated, uh, but I think he's the most underrated player. Probably, hmm, I have to think about it, and maybe in the NBA. Al Horford has opted out in Boston. We'll have to see what happens with Kawhi. Uh, Masai Ujiri is staying in Toronto. Now, does that mean that he's staying because he knows Kawhi is staying? Or he's just staying on his own? And I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a sign that Kawhi is going to stay in Toronto. But those shoes will drop. But we already saw the first part of that with the NBA draft. Zion, a lot of those guys were really emotional. It was a really, really nice, refreshing night. But at the end of the day, how many of these guys are going to have a real impact on the NBA? Zion obviously already has, and he's he's dedicated to New Orleans, and that's exciting for that franchise. But we'll have to see what happens. I think New Orleans did a fabulous job. Now, I, again, initially I said it was a lose-lose. Maybe that was just in the spur of the moment. But when you pull back and think about it, okay, you have a young nucleus. This, this team may never get to... Uh, may never get to a championship, and it may never. You never know what's going to happen if they'll ever develop into a playoff team. That's really debatable. But if you had to give up, and it will really look bad. Say if the Lakers and Anthony Davis going to win a championship next year, this year or next year, or the next season or the season after that. Say if they go on to win an NBA championship. When you look at what you got for him, and you gave up maybe an all-time great, is it worth it? But at the same time, your hands were tied. All you could do is what you could do. If they go on, if New Orleans gets their thing together with their draft picks, and again, they, they made a lot of moves and they got a lot of acquisitions for that one player. I think they did as good as you can do when the guy has said, I want out. So I, I congratulate them after thinking about it and seeing what they were able to come up with after the with the draft. You got Zion, you have Lonzo. 
I mean, you have pieces there. And so you drew holiday, you have things there uh, to make you a legitimate, young, exciting basketball team. So we'll have to see how it pans out, but all in all, it worked out well. So good for them, uh, for the new Orleans Pelicans. Lakers still have a lot of work to do. We won't know for sure. My, but my initial feeling was nah, neither one of these teams. I don't think the Lakers are going to win. I think it's good for LA's fan base because they can believe like they believed when LeBron got there last year. And we'll see if Anthony Davis can stay healthy. I have questions about that. I have questions about how much LeBron has left in the tank. Do you really, do you, is he going to double down and really, really work as hard as he has to to get back to the NBA championship? I don't know. Pathway is open. Darryl Morey thinks the Rockets are there. A lot of Laker fans think the Lakers are there. You have Denver folks, a lot of Denver folks. I talked to former NBA player, former McDonald's All-American, Duke standout, Houstonian and Daniel Ewing. He was on the Houston show Saturday. He says he likes Denver in the West. So we'll have to keep an eye on San Antonio. It's going to be San Antonio. But while all of these teams were improving on draft night and all this excitement around all these new acquisitions, well, the Rockets got new uniforms. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I can say about that. They have new uniforms. With that, want to go to a segment that we call We the People. We the People. And I got to make the world go round. We the People is when I look the at the poll questions that I have posted on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast and get your response to those and your votes on that. The first question that I asked was, is the Anthony Davis trade from New Orleans good for the NBA? Yes or no? And the majority said, yes, it was good for the NBA. And my question was, it goes back to what about the small markets? Do we care about the small markets? Is it ever going to, I mean, and can it be about something other than Chicago, New York, LA, Boston? When can it be around about some of the smaller markets? And the you know obviously the NBA needs those markets to do well. You want your big markets to do well too, but I, you know it's about balanced competition. That's what people like. And when you see stuff like this, and then the, it's like the the rich getting richer. The Lakers had this rich, rich history and heritage, and now they get to add to that again. Think about this franchise. You've had Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson. You've had all of these guys that that have come through and done work for your organization and now you get to add a, a top notch a top five player uh, you know some say top two or three player when healthy i don't know uh, you know whatever you rank anthony davis he's a top top player so i asked people was this good for the nba and they said yes uh jm Keith says best thing that could have happened for the pelicans 80s negative energy is not good for the franchise and considering the fact that he was a contributing factor to the Dale Demp's termination, why keep someone who does not want to be kept? Yeah, and I was t- thinking more along the macro. I think that, yeah, obviously if Anthony Davis doesn't want to be there, I thought once they got the top draft pick, man, with team with Zion, maybe that might excite him. And maybe he'll say, well, now we have a chance. Maybe we can make some moves and make something happen. And uh, Pernell Harvey says, hey, Jam Keith is right on the money with this one. Uh, he's reaching his ceiling in NOLA, and it's time to part ways. I don't like how he did it, though. Pels will be just fine, though. So that's what that was the comment. The other question was, if Kawhi Leonard leaves the Toronto Raptors for the Los Angeles Clippers, is that good for the NBA? Now, I asked that question because if, if Kawhi leaves and all that energy that went into 
this explosion of popularity of the Toronto Raptors for the whole country of Canada, for him to leave after that, is that good? Because all of a sudden, this team is, will struggle to make it to the playoffs. They certainly won't be finals contenders if Kawhi leaves. They will be battling to stay out of the lottery if he leaves, I think. I don't know how you're going to replace his contributions and what he's done. They're still a they're still an okay team, maybe a playoff team, but I don't, you know, they'll be a lower half, even well, maybe midway in that Eastern Conference. We'll have to see what happens in Atlanta, some of those bottom feeders, if they are able to in Brooklyn, if they're able to do something, if the Knicks are able to put something together, we'll have to see. But if if Toronto does not have Kawhi, what do they have? And is that good for the NBA for him to leave? And the majority said, no, it's not good for the NBA. I think a lot of people recognize the enthusiasm and excitement about Kawhi in the entire country of Canada. And I think that that bodes well. If you, I think if you ask, if you ask NBA commissioner Adam Silver, what would he prefer? I think that he clearly would prefer to have Kawhi remain in Toronto. And so I don't, I'm like uh, the folks who voted. I don't think that Kawhi leaving Toronto is good for the NBA. Jay Mitch said, the NBA is becoming a one-and-done league like college. Players go home and to the highest bidder. But don't forget these guys are immature with a lot of money. Four years of college will make them men, not rich boys. So that's his take on it. Uh, J.M. Keith says, uh, Toronto's in the midst of building their franchise. He's considered the king of the castle. Why leave? If he really wants to leave Toronto, L.A. is not the place. I have a feeling he is going to remain in Toronto. That's her thoughts on that. And finally, I asked about the Houston Rockets and got people's take on the Rockets. Because, again, with all this dissension, it has people taking sides and, and and really kind of debating the future of these Rockets. So I asked folks on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, if you could only remove one of these from the Rockets, who would go and why? 47% of the folks who voted said Mike D'Antoni should go, that he's the one. Now, he's been catching it here for quite a while on the local show and people are really blaming him for the lack of success. But second, surprisingly coming in at 38% was James Harden. There's significant pushback against James Harden. People blame him. I don't, I don't know what, what it is. I, I still cannot put my finger on why people don't like James Harden as much as you would think that a MVP and an MVP candidate would garner. He's the, he's the face of your franchise and yet, 38% of the people who voted, now this is a small sample size, said that James Harden should be the one to go. Um, let's see, so 14% said Chris Paul, and only 4% said Daryl Morey. If it's me, I'm going to bring everybody back. I, I mean, at least for one more year and see what happens, see what you can do to add to the pieces around James Harden and Chris Paul to see if you can get over the top. Bottom line is you couldn't beat one team. That was the Golden State Warriors. You couldn't beat them. Because you couldn't beat them, you can't just blow the whole thing up. Now, I think Kevin Allen and some of the others say, well, hey, blow it up, let's let's start new because we can't get past the Golden State Warriors. I say, look, now that the Golden State Warriors are down, Kevin Durant, and Klay Thompson, and maybe Durant from now on. He may sign somewhere else. I think, hey, now you have as good an argument as anybody to say you can win the West. So we'll have to see what happens. But I was not surprised that D'Antoni was up there. I am more surprised that more people didn't push back against Chris Paul. I think they see it as 
Harden plays the way he plays. He's a one-man show. Kobe said that playing that way will not get the Rockets a championship. Raymond Deeb said, I was close to voting D'Antoni because his system has never won a title. If there's some miracle we can move Paul and his huge contract, I feel that would be the best option. My real good friend from high school and childhood, C.D.L. Watkins, he voted and he's on Chris Paul, and he said his game and his body is on the downside of his career. Alan Quincy Randall wrote, Daryl Morey needs to become more diverse in getting better players for this system of analytics he strongly believes in. I still think Mike D'Antoni is a solid coach. This isn't the same system he ran in Phoenix. Here in Houston, ISO ball and Phoenix pace, space, and ball movement and player movement. Until Morey changes his belief in this style, we won't be winning a championship here in Houston. My boy from high school, Daryl Irvin, he says, uh, and I guess he looked at the results, and I guess he <laughs> grew frustrated with the results. He said, remove not the star, but superstar NBA player? Really? A large one, one of the best of all time, played 10 years before they got all the necessary pieces to win. I know he can be frustrating, but y'all be tripping. They often made the playoffs and even the finals, but never won a championship until they got the right players around the superstar. Superstars are rare. We got one. Golden State was just better. So those were just some of the comments from folks uh, pertaining to the Houston Rockets questions. Keep those things coming. I want to remind you guys, to go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page and uh, vote or comment or post questions of your own, whatever you want to do so uh, we can all interact with one another, not only uh, on uh, the podcast, but in between podcasts and uh, the Houston show. So with that, going to take a time out, bring you a message from our sponsor and a little bit of DJ Anarchy. When we come back on the other side, we're going to do a He Got Game and we're going to do another Lamont Award and a whole lot more. This is Briefcast 30 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on KTSUradio.com, on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Welcome back to Briefcast 30 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. 
the music of DJ Anarchy in the mix. And of course, if you are a musician or a artist of any kind, a DJ, make sure you uh, hook up with me and we'll play a snippet of your song or your mix at the halfway point. And then at the end, we'll play the entire thing. And we have more of DJ Anarchy coming up at the end. I'm telling you, man, this is, I listened to it. I listened to the entire mix and we broke it down for several episodes. So we didn't get the whole thing in. But at the end of this show, check out more of what he's doing. That's just a snippet. Wait till you hear more of it uh, at the end of this podcast. With that, want to go to a segment that we call He Got Game. Got game. He got game is when we recognize a player that you may or may not have known about or are talking about. We just want to give you some more facts and information on that player. And the one we're talking about now is a guy that is setting Major League Baseball on fire, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez for the Houston Astros been batting DH. Jordan Alvarez is a 21-year-old Cuban. And he was called up by the Astros on June 9th. Now, he played two years in the Cuban National Series for Las Tunas. And he was drafted by the Dodgers in 2016. Later that year, in August of 2016, he was traded to the Astros for Josh Field. Now, he opened up the 2019 season with the Astros minor league affiliate, the Round Rock Express. And he had a batting average of 347 with 23 home runs. That was already in 2019. Caught up on June 9th, he had two home runs in his first two games, and he hit four home runs in his first five games. As it stands right now, he currently has seven home runs in his first 12 games, and he has 16 RBIs in 16 games. This dude is a beast, and he just adds to a lineup that's phenomenal and will be getting better as George Springer comes back to the team. I think he'll be back this week. Maybe today or tomorrow, I think George Springer will be back. Not sure on that yet. But I'm telling you, Jordan Alvarez is a bad, bad man, and he got game. With that, it's time for another Lamont Award. Now, we're doing two because I normally do one, but I had to scold myself early on in this episode for mistakes that I've made. This time, I'm going with... The International Olympic Committee, the IOC. This is a story from the Associated Press. Quote, breakdancing has moved a step closer to the 2024 Olympics, and our organizers can look to book a street venue in Paris. IOC members have formally endorsed requests from Paris in February and their executive board in March to provisionally add breakdancing to the programming pending a final decision in December of 2020. Paris wants to add four sports to its program, though the other three, skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing, will make Olympic debuts in Tokyo next year. Breakdancing will have 16 competitors in each of the men's and women's events, end quote. That's from the Associated Press. And that leaves me with a a bunch of questions. First of all, I don't believe any dancing should be a part of the Olympics except for ice dancing. And that's only because I can't really give you a distinct definition to the difference between regular ice skating and ice dancing. Although I'm sure if you press me, I probably could come up with something. I'm 100% against this. I think this is a ridiculous idea unless, unless you bring back the likes of Fred Rerun Barry. If the ghost of Fred Rerun Barry or if his likeness or image is on the gold medal, then we can talk. 
if we have judges like Lucinda Dickey, Adolfo Quiones, and Michael Chambers as judges, we can't have a competition. You say, well, who is that? And if you don't recognize those names, you're not a true breakdancing connoisseur. You're not the kind of person that needs to support breakdancing in the Olympics. If you support breakdancing in the Olympics, you should know who Lucinda Dickey is, Adolfo Quiones, and Michael Chambers are. They're only, they're only the stars from the 1984 film Breaking that really brought breakdancing to mainstream America. And you don't know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Special K. I'm talking about Ozone. I'm talking about Turbo. I'm talking about Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers and Adolfo Shabadoo Quiones. Now, everybody knows Shabadoo. You, you, you know Shabadoo. So if Shabadoo is a judge, if Michael Chambers is a judge, and even Lucinda Dickey, Special K, if they're judges, then maybe you can do something. But I'm not done there. You'd have to add Ice-T and Grandmaster Flash. And I need to know who is the official sponsor of the cardboard that's going to be laid on the ground for the breakdancing. So if you're going to do breakdancing, these are all the things. These are my conditions. Other than that, IOC, you have no right to put breakdancing into the Olympics. I'm vetoing this, and I'm telling all of you on the Olympic International Olympic Committee that approved this that you all are big dummies. You big dummy! <laughs> Man, I was I love me some breaking, breaking one and breaking two. Ain't no stopping. Well, hey, do you remember the scene with the broom? I'm telling you, man, that was a classic, horrible film. For 1984, while I was in the theater, it was all of that. Wanted to see it twice. Got it on VHS whenever we got a VCR later that year. I was all about breaking. So, <laughs> so and what, Beat Street? I don't, I don't remember Beat Street as much, but Beat Street and Breaking. Breaking was my favorite. And then Shaka Khan uh, with Ain't Nobody. All of that. I mean, that was a great movie. So if you're going to do anything with breakdancing, that's what you got to do. You got to include the the pioneers. The, the I mean, not even to mention the street dancers. Uh, you, you know what? You have to have the young lady, the mean-looking lady, the Puerto Rican lady that, that went up against Special K, the woman that, that, that led the female group. I'm telling you, man, that's when they didn't shoot it out. They just broke it out. They danced it out. Pop locked it out. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that's going to look like, and but I will not be watching breakdancing in the Olympics. want to shift gears here and acknowledge the loss, the tragic sudden loss of a, a colleague and friend, uh, Max Edison, uh, who passed away. Max Edison was a prominent African-American sports writer, radio personality here in the greater Houston area. He was a guy who made a huge impact on African-American sports media, writing for the Defender. But not only that, just his presence in the uh, in the press boxes and at every event and, uh, you know, he was also critical of me and uh, he's been a he was on uh, episode 61 of this podcast and just uh, a guy that I have talked to about a couple of very important things. And I needed some feedback on some things. I ran some things by him. I called him. I've been knowing Max since about 1993, 1992 or 93. He, we had a, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't say a rivalry per se, but we, we took jabs at one another in a friendly kind of way. A uh, great sense of humor for him. And, I mean, you know, I take as good as I give and all of those sorts of things. So, uh, for years and years and years, we knew each other. And uh, things really kind of turned after my father passed away. 
and uh, Max called me and we, and, you know, we talked for a long time and the things that he said at the time I really needed to hear and it always meant a lot to me that he had taken out the time to call me because we weren't really like close like that. We see each other all the time, um, but we didn't, you know, after that things changed a lot, you know, after he called and we had that conversation about my father, his words were very, uh, very, very helpful. He had lost his father and just, you know, that conversation at that time, I, I just remember uh, was really important to me. So I always appreciated him for that. And so last week on the Friday express, uh, on KTSU 90.9, I, well, actually, I texted him that morning, and I said, hey, man, happy birthday, because, you know, on Facebook and stuff, you, you see, okay, it's Max's birthday. So I texted him, I said, hey, man, happy birthday, I'm going to send you a shout-out on the Friday Express, because he frequently listened. So uh, I got on the air, did my show as usual, sent him a shout-out, and I said, well, I didn't know what he wanted to hear, maybe he wants to hear the platters, I don't know, and sort of taking a jab at his age, and uh, and so his brother called and he said, no, nah, he likes Bobby Womack. That's who he wants to hear. That's his guy. So I said, OK, well, I'm, I'll do a double shot at Bobby Womack. Well, before I played the song, Max texted me and he said, well, hey, uh, thanks for the birthday shout out. And I said, well, hey, your brother told me you like Bobby Womack. And he said, yeah, my brother, he would know. And so uh, this was about this between probably eight and eight thirty. His final text was a quote from a Bobby Womack song. Bobby Womack says, uh, why do you always talk before you sing? And that was the last quote. And then I sent him one, a different quote from a Bobby Womack song. And that was the last, you know, that was the last thing. And so Chris Gardner called me Saturday morning. This was at 8.30 at night while I was on the air. Chris Gardner called me the next morning and told me Max had been rushed to the hospital by 9.30 and he passed away about 11, you know, Friday night, which was just... Uh, just a huge, huge shock. And, uh, you know, just it, it's a, a rough thing. And it's just a reminder of how important people are. I mean, you know, not just, in, in, I mean, in your life specifically, but on a bigger scale, uh, what he meant, his voice meant for African-American media here. He he was very outspoken. Like I said, he would, he would criticize me all the time because I was not a, I haven't just been a homer. Now, he was a homer, but also he was a guy that, I mean, he, he had a point of view. I didn't always agree with his point of view. And he was very optimistic when he came to his Houston teams. And he'd always give me a hard time in the press box at uh, at the Texans games or at Texas, wherever we were. And he would give me a, a tough time. I mean, they're all in fun. Um, but I uh, through the years, I'd grown to really appreciate him. And, you know, you, you are around a long time. When I got started, I was a kid, and you know it was him and, and King Arthur and Ralph Cooper, the Godfather, and a number of other old media guys. And since then, you know, a lot of those guys are, are, have gone on. Um, but it was just, in, you know, when you think back, the, their contributions have been huge to Houston sports media. Uh, this is not the most liberal market. And, I mean, really, even to this day, it's really kind of gotten worse. It took guys like um, like Max to to make a difference and be heard. It was important because he told stories that wouldn't otherwise be told. And I have to kind of remind myself of that as I continue to do what I do. But uh, I reposted episode 61. And you can hear what Max is going in on me about uh, wanting, he wanted LeBron James to come to the Rockets. And, you know, I was not sure that that was going to work. And I mean, I'm still, I was right, but that's neither here nor there. 
But all my guys out there, I want to send shouts out to, to his boy, A.D. Moore, Kim Davis, Chris Gardner. I mean, just uh, Jerry Woodley, Ralph, Leonard Moon. Leonard Moon, one of my mentors. And, and all those guys that, that when I got started – uh, we're doing Leonard Moon really again. He was doing this thing a long time ago and uh, really gave help give me a start. I want to shout out to all my African American media members uh, in the city of Houston. Jerome Solomon did a tremendous job of writing about Max's life. Max was a good dude. Haywood Jeffries and I we talked about him. I mean, he he actually knew Haywood and worked with Haywood before I knew Haywood. I think he, he was working with Haywood when Haywood first got here in the league. So he was everywhere. He did it all. He was at the, I was at the Super Bowl. I was at the Final Four. I, he was at all the big events and uh, just did a great job. And I just want to acknowledge him and his family and his friends and uh, all the people who will be suffering, uh, not the least of which are the the readers and the folks that he impacted with his opinions and his coverage of Houston sports. So I want to make sure we acknowledge that and send prayers out to the family of Max Edison, gone but not forgotten. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, I have to say this. This is that time of the summer before training camp starts where there's a big, big lull, and I'm going to actually have a lull here where I will step away. So this may be the last podcast for about a week and a half or so maybe two weeks, maybe a little bit less than that, or I may be compelled to do something there for tomorrow. It just depends on what happens, but I'm going to kind of enjoy a little bit of the summer, maybe get away for a little bit, kind of have a respite before we really crank it up uh, with football season coming up. I want to do a lot more with football. I want to do some more remotes. I have some big things coming, and I will start working on those things, and you'll hear more about those. But in the meantime, I'm on Twitter at Wade's Word on Facebook, the uh, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and the group. Please join the group and uh, keep interacting. And, of course, you can listen to me each and every Saturday, 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 90.9 KTSU Houston, ktsuradio.com. want to thank my man, DJ Anarchy, for doing a great mix. I have more of his mix coming up so you guys can check him out. And getting out of here. Till next time, have a great day.
谁。